Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 355 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Leah Wheeler, Leah lives in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and she is a computer technician in the Navy. Welcome, Leah. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> Super good to talk to you this morning. How's the weather up there in Hampton Roads, Virginia? You're, you're right at the coast. Obviously, the Navy would be at the coast. <laughs> yes, it's actually really hot today, although the last few days haven't been that bad. Yeah, we're recording this in late August. It's been really hot here, too. The sea breeze does help a little bit, though, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, that's true. So, you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? I like hearing the backstories from everybody else. I'll give you a little bit of mine. So I never really struggled with my weight growing up. My mom's super healthy. She's actually 
We're both about five foot one. She's about a half inch taller and she's never been in any kind of out of shape. She's super fit, played tennis for eight years. So she kind of brought that into raising us kids. And so we were super healthy growing up. Whenever I moved out of the house, I started eating not so healthy. And it was only in, I think it was 2016 or 17, I started to eat even worse healthy foods, candy all the time, wasn't exercising. And I started to slowly gain about like 10 or 15 pounds more than I normally wanted to. Would you say that's kind of like, it was like when you got out of the house, like you were at home and there were healthy options around, then you got out of the house and you're like, I can do whatever I want now. Was it kind of like that? Basically. And it just steadily got worse. I think that's pretty common for people who were raised in homes where every, all the choices were like really, you know, spot on healthy food. And yeah, I can totally see that. So you gradually gained about 10 to 15 pounds. Right. And I, so I moved out of the house around 2009, 2010, and that's about when I enlisted in the military and the military food, although not really healthy, was still a lot better than what I was eating. So for about five or six years, I wasn't having trouble with weight and I was exercising more to keep in like military regs and all that. But in 2017, I went to, or 16, I went to school and I was basically sitting down for eight hours a day in class and snacking on candy constantly. So that's about when I gained the weight and I could not get rid of it. And it slowly got worse and then COVID hit. And then after the restrictions lifted, I went to visit a a friend in Maryland, one of my best friends. And she actually, I went over to her place and she was like, hey, I've got some schoolwork to do before we can go out to eat or whatever. Here's a book. <laughs> and it was your book. <laughs> Which one? It was Fast Feast Repeat. Because <laughs> I think this was last March. So 2022, March, um, I had gone up to visit her. And she's like, here's this book I've been really into. I want to know what you think about it. So I started reading it. And a few of the things, I don't remember the details, but a few of the things I had been reading, I was like, you know what? I grew up learning that from my mom. And all this stuff was like, this makes sense. And that makes sense. I'm going to try this right now. So let's not go out to eat because we'd had lunch at the mall. And I was like, you know what? I'm really not hungry. I'm going to start right now. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Good job to your friend. That's fantastic. So when you say you learned it from your mom, would you say that she like she was kind of doing some fasting accidentally, naturally, or was it more long? Yeah, naturally. She naturally didn't really care for breakfast. She'd kind of been, I wouldn't say forcing herself, but more like I need to have these healthy things. And I don't feel like eating them in a solid form. So she'd have like a shake that she made for like a late breakfast. She is already basically in a loose like 16, 8, 18, 6 kind of thing What based on my memory. So fasting for 16 hours, eating for eight, all that sort of thing. Oh, I want to call out her name so that she can be completely embarrassed. My best friend's name is Jessica Dennison. <laughs> Hello, Jessica Dennison. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to love this. I'm so thankful that she gave me that book. I went out and bought the electronic version for my Kindle and perused it a little bit more thoroughly, learned how the whole like getting used to being fat adapted works and everything. And um, oh, and before I go any further, my starting weight at that point in time was about 147, which for the military, for my height at five foot one, the max I could weigh without getting taped was 145. So I was on the verge of being desperate and I hate the gym. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of the history. That makes such a difference when you're in the military and you have to maintain a certain weight range for 
you know, your military service, you're like, oh no, I'm going to have to do something about that. So you started off, you, you were at, at 147 pounds, but the fact that you're 5'1 is very, very relevant. Because if you were like 5'9, you know, 147 would be possibly your goal weight. But <laughs> every inch matters, doesn't it? Yeah. My average in high school, both before I started getting into sports and after, was around 120, 118, 120. So whenever I joined the military, I never really got above 125 until that classroom setting in 2016 when I started to climb and never got below 130 again. <laughs> so prior to that classroom setting, you'd been more like an active role in the military. Yes. So although I've always worked with electronics, I was on a ship first and I was constantly running around back and forth. I spent one year in security. So I was wearing like a heavy vest and a couple different kinds of guns and like on my feet for 12 hours. And then the instant I left the ship, I went to school and that's where I went from walking around for 12 hours a day, wearing heavy things to sitting for eight. <laughs> so, and not going to the gym at all. Cause there's nothing else to do whenever you're deployed, really. Go to the gym. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine. I never even thought about what it would be like to live on a ship. <laughs> I honestly miss it. <laughs> do you? Do you think you'll end up back on a ship one day or no? No. Your life is too different now. Yeah. Both being married and pregnant and the fact that I work in the kind of electronics I do now, I'll never go back to a ship again. It's good that you have the option, though, to stay in the Navy and still be on, you know, not on a ship and be that part of the support system on the land. That's important. So you mentioned that you're pregnant now. Congratulations. How far along are you? I hit five months, I think, around Sunday, maybe-ish. I'm really bad at tracking this stuff. But April 1st was the first day of my last period, which is how they track it. So I'm about 20 weeks-ish. So Okay. Well, congratulations on that. And this is your first it is my first, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, your life is going to be completely different. <laughs> Very, yes, I've heard. <laughs> the pregnancy part is just a blip and then they're out there and you're like, oh, <laughs> even when they're grownups, you know, like mine are. Yeah, and it already seems to be going so fast. It does go by so fast. So let's talk about pregnancy and fasting. I do want to circle back a little bit to your fasting, but real quick, some of the one of the hardest things for someone who's pregnant that's used to intermittent fasting is that you're not supposed to do intermittent fasting while pregnant or breastfeeding. So was that a hard transition for you to go from, you know, fasting your regimen? Yeah, yeah, during the first trimester especially, I was forcing myself to eat breakfast because I was like, well, the baby's developing at this stage. I don't want any like toxins to go into the baby and like all this stuff. So I was forcing myself to eat breakfast and I struggled so much. And even now I've relaxed that a little bit. So I'm not really fasting, but I'm listening to my body. So I'm not eating breakfast most days, but if I'm hungry, I open my window right away without doing the typical wait an hour kind of thing. I think that's the way I've thought about this before, you know, for myself, somebody who's been doing intermittent fasting for as many years as I have. I mean, obviously I'm on the other side of menopause. I'm 54. I'm not going to get pregnant, but let's imagine I was young <laughs> and had been fasting a long time and got pregnant. What would I do? How hard would it be? But I think what you're doing is exactly right. You're listening to your body. You're not forcing yourself to eat when your body is like, I'm not hungry at all right now. But as soon as the hunger comes, you're feeding yourself rather than trying to delay it. And so you're nourishing your body well. You're listening to your body. You're not fasting, but you're not eating just to eat. And I think that's really, really important. 
let's circle back to when you started. When you started, you were 147 pounds. You started immediately by skipping that first dinner. How did it go for you as your body adapted and as, as weight loss began? So I followed the 28 day fast start recommendation of not weighing. So I didn't start weighing again until like the end of April. I don't think my body was fully fat adapted until I had gone through about six weeks because I was still like struggling to get to 16, which was the timeline I had set for myself. Knowing that that was feasible, like I knew I could go 16 hours without eating because work was going to be enough to push me through it. And if I opened it at lunch or a snack around 10 or whatever, that would be fine. But I was still getting like hunger headaches for about two and a half, three weeks. The coffee thing was kind of a struggle because I really <laughs> like putting almond milk in my coffee. But I think that was probably the easiest transition actually was going to black coffee because my husband, even though we were dating at the time, he had already been drinking black coffee. So it was just really easy to only make us both a black coffee for breakfast whenever we would come over to get me for work. We work at the same place. So we would carpool. Yeah, it really does make it easy to all be on the same page and everybody just drinking the black coffee. That makes it so much easier. I want to circle back to what you said. Six weeks in, you were still not quite fat adapted. And I think that's important to note because the 28-day fast start, it's 28 days. And so we're like, all right, it takes 28 days for your body to adjust. But that's just like a loose, you know, round number, four weeks, round number. Is, but that doesn't mean bodies are on a nice four-week timetable. <laughs> Our bodies are going to do what they do. So during the fast start, you'd kind of been doing a 16-8 all the way through? Yep. Just like getting myself to 16 hours and then opening my window. And of course I was eating a lot in the beginning because, and it felt like binging, even though I really had never had any history with like eating disorders, but it was, I was eating everything I wanted to eat in the first half an hour, basically for about six weeks. And it was kind of a struggle, but yeah, definitely after the six week period, I had a conference with a bunch of ladies and even though they had snacks and stuff at the event, I put the snack in my bag instead of eating it and was like, you know, I think I can wait until later. I'm actually not hungry right now. I don't remember what hour that was at. It was definitely more than 16. And by the time I looked at my watch, when we went to lunch afterwards, it had actually been 21. And I was like, wow, I've gone really a long time and I'm just now getting hungry. I must have just hit fat adaption. So, and I want to, can I jump in there with something that's really, really important because two clues that you were not fat adapted yet. First of all, that when the 16 hour mark came and you were hungry, it felt like you were binging. And so that is when your window is open and you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't get enough food. That is a clue that your body had not been really, really tapping into the stored fat well enough for you to feel like that the hunger to be gone. So you, when your window opened, you were literally starving because your body's like, all right, there's, I hadn't gotten to the fuel yet. So this is the body can be so counterintuitive for new intermittent fasters. They're like, well, if it's really, really hard for me to get to 16, how can I get to 21? Like Leah did that day. But really, if it's hard to get to 16, making yourself get to 21 a few times is actually going to make it easier <laughs> because it, it forces that fat adaption switch and that's where it gets easy. So somebody who's doing 16-8, really, really, really struggling and feeling so hungry when you open your window at 16 go a little farther. That's where the, the magic is going to be. So you noticed the difference right after that, right? 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Almost immediately. So at first, I didn't understand the difference between counting your fasting and counting your window. So I was counting my fasting at first. I realized like a year later that that was actually more complicated. But anyway, so I I was tracking all of that. And I realized that I wasn't really struggling after that one time where I accidentally went to 21. I wasn't counting down to 16 anymore. I was just like, oh, I kind of feel hungry. Where am I at? at that point. And usually I was somewhere around 16, 17. So that's when I started to kind of push it and see where I could get to. But yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) Well, I love that because you're right that it's so much more complicated to try to count the fast because first of all, you know, we're going over an overnight period and we also have the, I guess in the military time, it might be easier, but (laughs) maybe not. I don't know. It wasn't. I know it's so complicated. If what time, how many hours was that? And then we have a new day and how many hours is this? And what time is it now? It's so much easier to say, all right, my window is open and I'm going to close it within five hours, six hours, whatever, four hours, whatever it's going to be. It's so much easier to count that from the start of your window to the end of your window is a very easy number. And because there are 24 hours in a day, if your window is five hours, 19 hours of that calendar day, we're fasting. (laughs) Some before your eating window, some after your eating window, but it's, you know, (laughs) 24 hours in a day. So you flipped that metabolic switch around the six week mark and then fasting got easier and you started kind of focusing more on, on your eating window at that point. 
So the reason why it started immediately was so our weigh-ins for the physical fitness part of the Navy for right now, because of COVID, there's only one a year and it happens in the summer. So I was like, well, June, July-ish is going to be when my weigh-in is. If I start right now, knowing that this is going to take some time, I might actually lose the three or four pounds that I need to get back under 145 and not really have to worry about like drinking water in the morning and, you know, that affecting my weigh-in or whatever, because that's what a lot of people will do. They, they'll starve themselves the day before and they won't drink any fluids for like three days so that they can, you know, kind of make it under the mark. Oh, I know those tricks. <laughs> it's horrible. And I never had gotten to that point where I was considering it before that year when I realized I was over the max. So by the time the six weeks hit, I had just started weighing myself for about, you know, two or three weeks at that point. And my weight did go up. It went up about four or five pounds over the 28 days because my first weigh which I didn't have the Happy Scale app at the time, so I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was somewhere around 150-ish, 151 maybe. And so I was like, okay, now I have about six pounds I need to lose. And I think I can do it without having to do the crazy things that people do to weigh in under whatever their max is. And sure enough, I started to lose about a pound to two pounds a week. And I got to around, I think it was 143. I can actually probably look it up. I was about 143. By the time I got to June's weigh-in, which was just where I needed to be. I'm so excited. I love that. And I want to highlight something here. You know, you started at 147, needing to get below the magic number of 145. So after the fast start, you got on the scale and your weight was 150 to 151. At that point, you could have said, well, this is crap. This doesn't work. I weigh more than I did when I started. But you remembered from Fast Feast Repeat that I said... You could gain weight at the beginning. You didn't panic. You started weighing daily and you were using Happy Scale to track your trend. That's such a good, such a good tool. You know, for me, I'm old school. I believe, I, I think there's something to writing stuff down with your hand, like writing a number. I think we like, I don't know, <laughs> that tactile feeling, at least for me, made a difference. But Happy Scale is a fabulous choice because it automatically records your weight. Do you have a Bluetooth scale that does that? I did, yeah. I don't have a scale anymore, but I did have one, yeah. So it automatically syncs it, and then it automatically calculates what your trend is doing, and then you don't have to stress about it. But once you started after the fast start, you started weighing daily using the app to see what your trend, you were losing about one to two pounds a week, which is just what you needed to get to that weigh-in. So I'm looking at the happy scale now and June 10th or so, I think was when we got weighed in and based on happy scale, I was actually at 136. This was a long time ago, about a year ago for me. So I don't remember, but apparently I've been losing about two pounds a week. It started out real slow and then increased to about a pound and a half. And then I had like a huge jump where it was like two pounds a week for two weeks. And then it went back down to half a pound by the time I did the weigh-ins. It was very steady. It's all green. The whole thing's green. <laughs> That's the best thing about happy scale because it shows you those colors. So, you know, if your happy scale is green, you know, your trend is going down regardless of what your fluctuations might be doing. But interestingly, how it started off slow and then it picked up. I bet that's right when you hit fat adaptation. Probably. Yeah. Because it didn't plateau again until about September-ish. And that's whenever I made an, a few tweaks and whenever I had some really big non-scale victories that didn't really impact my brain for a while. But because that's whenever I started to listen to the stories a little bit more. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that's happening to me, too. Like, my skin cleared up. My hair got shinier. I, did, I got the elbow thing, like the smooth elbows. I still have those, even though I'm not <laughs> fasting anymore. During the pregnancy, I had 
hereditary, uh, my heels and um, the balls of my feet. My dad has really, really scaly, dry feet, and I got that from him. I also walk barefoot every day if I can help it. So that healed up. I have baby smooth feet, which is kind of annoying because I miss my calluses. So I just, I started doing what you would advise other people to do and just like tweak something, just maybe one thing, make it super simple. I love butter. So I just halved the amount of butter I was having on a daily basis and the scale started moving again. See, that's such a good tip. Can I, I want to highlight that for a second because we've been in a very confusing time <laughs> when it comes to health recommendations and the health recommendation of, oh, guess what? Fat isn't bad in the keto diet and people like, there's no amount of fat that is too much fat <laughs> has been the mantra for the past. I don't know. That started when keto got really, really popular 2015, 2017, 2019, it just kept going. And so, you know, I don't want anybody to be scared of any real food, any real food. We should not be scared of it. However, that does not mean that these real foods are like free food. There's no such thing <laughs> as free foods in the body. If we look at how the body burns fat, stores fat, Fat is the easiest thing to store if you eat it. Your body doesn't have to do anything to it. It just can store it away. So if you have a giant baked potato and a ton of butter, it's delicious. It's real food. You shouldn't be scared of it. But if you overeat for the day and you've got more potato and butter than your body can use, it's going to take that extra butter and say, well, that's easy to store. And then it'll like try, you know, burn the energy from the potato. But you can't just eat all the fat that you want. <laughs> We've forgotten that message. And I can remember a few years ago, I said that on the podcast and some, I said, if I needed to lose weight, I would eat less butter. And someone like said, no, that's wrong. You can't gain weight from too much fat. I'm like, okay, we've gotten, we've lost the plot. If we've gotten the message that <laughs> even, you know, like the low carb community, Diet Doctor, one of the best known websites for the low carb community is saying, hold on. Fat is not free. <laughs> so you halved the amount of butter you were eating and you started to see the weight drop back off. Yep. And then in early November, the scale started to move again up until I got pregnant, basically. It started to like really drop like it had originally. And it kind of evened out because holidays and all that stuff. And then I got pregnant in April. So that's about whenever I stopped weighing entirely. <laughs> Okay. So by April, by the time April came around, how much had you gotten down to the last time you were weighing? Last time I weighed in, I was 127.4 was the lowest I got, which is really cool because that's about where my first, like, I'm over where I want to be kind of thing. When I was in the school, that was about where I had been weighing to find out where I was before I hit 130 and then just couldn't get below it. Okay, so that was like your body, like 127-ish was about where you felt good prior to when the weight gain started. So you got back down to really what might be your body's healthy, natural weight. And then bam, pregnant. And then bam, pregnant. <laughs> so actually going back to September when I hit that plateau. So for anybody who doesn't want to hear about gross bodily fluids, skip this part. You're in the wrong place because <laughs> look, we all have gross bodily fluids. I'm just going to say men, women, young, old, we got gross bodily fluids. I had also in 2020, I'd started tracking my periods and stayed off birth control and stuff so that I, I was only on birth control to not be surprised by my periods because I that's not fun, especially if you have to wear whites or something, you know. So I've got off it, found out how to track my period, 
and be able to kind of predict when it was going to start. And in September, whenever I started my period, I had the grossest period I've ever had in my entire life. And basically I had a whole bunch of tissue come out in my underwear, which some tissue is normal because that's how it works. The uterus is getting rid of its old lining, but I'd never had so much come out before. And if I hadn't known for a fact that there was no way I would be pregnant, I would have thought it was a miscarriage because there was so much grossness. And back in 2014-ish, I had been a very stereotypical female sailor and I would go out and party and I would sleep with someone or whatever. I wound up contracting chlamydia and I didn't know it for two years. So chlamydia basically, for those people who don't know, is it builds up, depending on how long you have it, if you find out and you get it treated within a really short amount of time, nothing happens. Your reproductive system is fine. But I had it for about two years. I didn't know. I popped positive for chlamydia on a urinalysis test and wasn't told. Basically, they left it in my record and didn't tell me. So two years later, I started having the actual symptoms of chlamydia, which is like multiple unexplained UTIs, all this other stuff. And I went in for the UTIs and they're like, oh, you have chlamydia. It's like, since when? <laughs> I wasn't sleeping around anymore and all that stuff. And I was like, how is it possible? I, I haven't had a partner for like six months. And they're like, oh, you've had it for two years. And they didn't tell you. Oh my gosh. Did that make you so mad? I was furious because I knew oh, what that I'm meant. I'm furious. Yeah. I had learned because they have annual trainings on like the different STIs and STDs and stuff and what they look like. So I actually knew that chlamydia would take away my ability to reproduce. So basically my entire uterus and some of my tubes had been covered in scar tissue over that period of time. And I'm fully convinced that in September, that was what came out. All that scar tissue was just sloughed out of my system. Oh my God. Well, okay, now that is a non-scale health victory that I've never heard before. I've heard a lot of things, but you know what? That would not surprise me knowing how our, when we give our bodies time to heal, they are powerful. Our bodies are amazing machines that can do, um, we're like, we're, we're self-cleaning. We have, <laughs> we're incredible. So your body was like, all this crap can go and your yeah, body cleared it, like, it out. I don't need this. So let's get rid of it. And I was actually convinced at the time that that was what happened. I was like, you know, I think I just lost that scar tissue. So whenever Chris and I got married in April, I was like, you know, what would be really funny is if we had a honeymoon baby. And that's actually what's happened. I love that so much. And that is really, really exciting because having a chlamydia infection, I mean, I don't know as much about it as you do because you had the training on that, but having that type of infection that causes scar tissue to build up in your uterus and also you said in your tubes, fallopian tubes, that could have completely kept you from conceiving. And to, to think that your body was able to clear that all out is just remarkable. And I would like to think that that was fasting and it would not surprise me. I honestly do believe it was because based on the way I grew up, my body had been trained to be healthy, even though I had relaxed that for about five or six years before discovering intermittent fasting. So because of all the years I had growing up under my mom's health instruction and food and you know all that stuff and being more active than a lot of people uh, my age, I think because my body was already somewhat healthy, despite the five years where I wasn't, that it took less time for me to get to healing the major things. Cause that was only six months. I know a lot of people, like it takes them a long time to be able to get to that point, like years, two, three years, six months is ridiculously short. <laughs> <laughs> you started with a pretty healthy body cause it was only a very short time that you'd been struggling with that. 
And, you know, I want to keep reiterating, there's this <sighs> this sudden uptick in advice that women need to be careful when it comes to fasting and fertility and all of that. And in this situation, fasting may have saved your fertility by clearing out that scar tissue. Whereas if you had heard, oh, it might not be good for women, I probably shouldn't do it. You might have been scared to try it. And then who knows what? So, you know, you ha- you felt great and you felt better and you were tracking your cycle. Were you doing temperature cycling or, or temperature tracking? Is that how you did it? Yes, basically basal body temperature and then the uptick in in the temperature based on where I was in my cycle would tell me about how many days I had until my period. Yeah. And so when you began fasting and you you were doing, did you notice any changes in the length of your cycle? I'm not sure if it was related to intermittent fasting because my cycle had started to even out. I started to rearrange when I was eating certain foods during the month, not during the day for fasting, but like during the month I was avoiding soy products in the beginning of my cycle. Um, Right after my period, I would avoid soy products. If I had any soy at all, it would be after my temperature had spiked and I had dropped an egg. But other than that, I mean, it did start to even out. The temperatures were a little bit closer together after I did intermittent fasting. There's a lot less crazy jumps because the food that I wanted to eat had also started to change, which was awesome because I went from wanting to have like bagel bites for a snack to thinking that that was the most disgusting thing on the planet and being like, I need a salad every day now or I'm not going to be full. If someone tried to feed me a bagel bite, I'd be like, no. But they're like frozen and... Oh, that used to be my favorite snack for a long time. And now I I can't... Just the idea of them is disgusting and has been since like last summer, I think. (laughs) I love that. So your tastes in food really have changed. So what... You like salads now? What Now, I know probably with pregnancy, you're probably having other kind of crazy (laughs) food cravings. But what other things did you start to gravitate towards as your taste in food changed? So I think it was around the two or three month mark last year that I started to notice my food taste changed. I no longer bought like the typical high school snacks that I didn't get as a kid. I had started to get those as an adult because I didn't have them. And now I wasn't buying them anymore on Crustables, Hot Pockets, Bagel Bites. Like I didn't want those anymore around like June or July, which was about two or three months after I had started doing intermittent fasting. I started to really want like healthier breads. I love sourdough now. I could not go more than two days without having a bunch of spinach. And I used to have to force myself to eat spinach. I used to hate Brussels sprouts. And now I know like three different ways to cook them that I really like. That's a big win because my mom would always make us eat our Brussels sprouts. And, like I hated them for so long. And then I still don't like squash, but I think that's a texture thing. I'll eat it like in soup. If I can taste it, that's fine. But I don't like the texture. (laughs) There's a few other foods that I I really started to gravitate towards needing to. Oh, I don't like potatoes. What? I know. It's so weird. Potatoes and rice. My body does not need them. So I think starchy carbs are not something that's necessary for my body chemistry. So I started eating a lot less rice, a lot less potatoes, had more energy whenever I stopped eating those things. And I do have to have bread every day. I'm going to die. <laughs> and you're gravitating to the, you know, sourdough, those, some of those chewier breads. I love that we figure it all out. You know, I got to have starchy carbs to feel satisfied. I got to have beans, rice, <laughs> potatoes, something like that. Beans, I like. <laughs> rice and potatoes, no. <laughs> rice and potatoes make me so happy and satisfied. And, but I completely believe that, that that's not true for everybody. And that's the part that's beautiful is when we learn to listen to our bodies, our bodies tell us, just I can't imagine not potatoes not working. 
for your body. But I know it's true, but th- my body loves them. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never really liked chips growing up. Like I was just not one of those people. Both my parents, that's their favorite non-healthy food is to get chips. I just don't like chips. So I got curious one day and I was like, you know, I'm going to stop buying potatoes. And unless we're having something that's going to have rice in it, and then I'll give myself way less rice and just experimented. And I was like, you know, I don't miss them. So I just stopped buying it. (laughs) Well, I really think when we find the foods that work for us, we know because just like you said, you have way more energy. And if you're having way more energy and you feel good and you feel satisfied, then what you're eating is working for you. And you don't need to read somebody's nutritional guidelines of what they say you should eat. You can listen to your body and know what makes you feel good. You know, I feel better energy when I have very little meat, dairy, and eggs. It's the opposite of other people. So there are people like me. There are people like (laughs) everything. So I think my mom has already been one of those people who kind of listens to her body. She also really already knew about a lot of healthy things kind of before they started to be more of the modern studies and everything. But I did tell her, I think it was around July or so last year, I told mom, I was like, you know, I've been doing this intermittent fasting thing. And I think you kind of already do this, but cause she had been complaining from having us three kids. She had like the extra skin and stuff around her stomach that she really wasn't a fan of. And she had some, what she called back rolls, but that nobody could see, but her, <laughs> unless like she, she stood perfectly straight and like kind of arched her back a little bit. You could see them. Yeah. So she's really funny about that. She wanted to try and get rid of them. So I introduced her to intermittent fasting. And so she's been doing that and she does feel better. She just doesn't have her morning shake. Like that's the only difference that she made because that was the only thing she was doing to open a window was her morning shake. So she, you know, typically opens her window about three in the afternoon and closes it by 10 because she stays up really late. Yay, mom. Your dad does it too. Yeah. He's uh gotten a lot more fit. I know since he retired whenever I was in high school, because he was also Navy, he had stopped having the incentive to be super fit. And over time, like years and years, his body got a little bit less to where he wanted it. So whenever he heard about intermittent fasting, he also went back to it. And I could see a difference when I would visit them because they live in Florida. So it was like months and months in between before I would see them again. One of my brothers also kind of does it very loose. He's not really being super strict, which is fine. Like if he ever gets to the point where he wants to be really fit, I'm sure he'll, he knows what to do now. And then of course my husband has kind of already been doing it with the skipping breakfast and the black coffee. So yeah, it's really cool. Almost everybody I know is starting to get into it now. <laughs> I love it. And you know what you mentioned about your brother who does it in a loose way. That's I've, I've talked about Will, my son Will before he's about to be 24 and he and I went, we spent the day together last Friday because his cat needed to be spayed. And for whatever reason, Chad likes to find, you know, where's the best value to do something. And the best value to get the cat spayed was 45 minutes away. <laughs> so guess where we went? So I, I drove Will and the cat 45 minutes and we had to come back. Then we went back. We were in the car all day, but he didn't eat. He just had black coffee and he does not consider himself to be doing intermittent fasting, but we ate around two o'clock. That was the first thing that he ate for the day. And it's he ate, he got like a chicken wrap and I don't know, like fries or something. And he ate like just over half the wrap. And he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to save the rest of this for later. He just stopped eating, <laughs> took it home. 
along with the rest of my meal that I didn't finish. But he does intermittent fasting loosely. You know, he will sometimes wake up and eat first thing in the morning if he wants to. But it's just he doesn't need to. He's clearly fat adapted, which is probably true for your brother. His body is able to, you know, use whatever fuel source it needs. We haven't talked about it in a while, so I don't know if he's still doing it or if he's, you know, gone a little bit further with it. But he was basically just not having breakfast. And I can't remember if he was having lunch or not, but he would have dinner every night with the family because he's very family oriented. I love that. Um, and on the weekends, especially on Sundays, don't remember about Saturdays, but on Sundays he would go out to this local like pastry area and get like some breakfast donuts and stuff like that. And so like they'd have something before church and then they'd go to church and then have lunch and then have dinner. So Sunday was a regular full American three meals a day kind of thing. But during the the five days of the work week, especially he was having like a regular 16, 8, 18, 6. And so I think that was really helpful for him to get his energy back up and stuff. I love that. So let's talk about how your pregnancy has been. How's it been? You've been pregnant since April. Has it gone smoothly? So far, I actually, because of how regular my period had been, I knew the instant that I didn't get it the first day I was expecting it, that I must be pregnant. That was fun to figure out. I did know that I did not want to have any kind of intermittent fasting so that I could protect the baby's growth. So I was forcing myself to eat breakfast for about the two months after I found out, which completed the first trimester. And then I went to visit my parents in Florida in July. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I need to not eat breakfast again. So I was just only eating when I was hungry. So some days technically I'm doing intermittent fasting, but most of the time I'm just listening to my body and hoping that I get to at least eight hours because I don't want to do any real like detoxing or any of that stuff that goes straight into the baby. That's exactly how I would do it too. And, you know, I love, I was doing the same thing when I got pregnant with Cal back in 1997. He was born in 98. I was tracking my temperature and I was tracking my temperature and I was like, I think I'm pregnant. And the test came back negative. I took a test, but I wasn't far enough along. Tests weren't maybe as good back then, but tracking your temperature is fascinating. I might have been one of the only people doing that in 97. I don't know. <laughs> I think the book that I, I learned about all that stuff is it's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And it's by, oh, I think, do you know what that book is? It's really cool. That might be the one I read. So I guess it's not new at all. It's not newer kind of thought. I know she's done a bunch of revisions. I actually heard about it. I was going through and like learning about bullet journaling and fell down the YouTube rabbit hole. And that was actually in some of the minimalist bullet journal videos that I had been looking at. I was like, you know what? This is actually interesting. Let me include this in my bullet journal. I swear. I think that's the book that I read. Yeah. Cause I am that kind of person like you, you were like, all right, I need to learn about this. <laughs> you jump in and you learn everything. Cause that was me. I was like, all right, I'm going to get pregnant. So I need to read all this stuff. So somehow I ended up with taking charge of your fertility. I'm pretty sure. And started taking my temperature and plotting it on the graph by hand. That was before the apps. There were there was no no iPhone. There were no <laughs> she still has the paper printout stuff. I just I drew one out and I don't track everything that she recommends tracking in the book. I only track a few things. Like same thing with fasting and the measurements that you have in, in the fast feast repeat. I only did one because the only thing I cared about was my waist. <laughs> so the only thing I ever tracked was my even though. I kind of do regret not measuring my thighs because I didn't know they were going to shrink so much. And I didn't realize until I put on my, the clothes that I was wearing when I took my before picture, it's this jumper thing that's really stretchy material. So it looks good on any size body, really. Although I felt like a marshmallow in the before picture, 
but it was so loose around my thighs. Whenever I took some of the other succeeding like monthly pictures, I kind of wish I had measured my thighs in the beginning. But yeah, definitely my waist was the only measurement I ever took. And then of course my weight. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah, I would definitely recommend keeping track of your waste for everybody because that is such a powerful tool. And you know, my waist went down, 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 down with fasting. And then after menopause, it went up a little bit. <laughs> Hormone replacement therapy, it's gone back down. But, you know, it's such a good measure of overall health, seeing what your waist is doing. And even if the scale doesn't seem to be moving, if your waist is going down, that's a really good sign. Of course, right now, your waist is just going It's up, really up, 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 big, up. yes. <laughs> There's a lot of waste at the moment. I'm actually really excited about being bigger. And of course, I'll be bigger than I was before the baby, after the baby as well, because of all the fat that still remains from like insulation, all that for the child. But I'm really excited to be both heavier than I've ever been because of the pregnancy and bigger. I was going to say fatter, but you know, bigger than I've ever been because of the pregnancy, because then I feel like I might have more impact with people that have always been like, well, you've always been kind of small and like, well, not anymore. So now you'll, you'll be able to see in future years as I shrink from the pregnancies and all that stuff, you know, it does actually work and it works every time and it's lasting. <laughs> I love that you have this tool. How old are you? You haven't told me that. I am 34. I turned 34. In yeah. Well, this is a great tool to have, especially in your thirties to know you've got it forever. You've got this tool, you know, and you've watched your mom maintain her health in accidentally fasting. And I'm sure that played a role in it. And it sounds like she's always made really healthy food choices, but you've had that modeling and now you know what to do. So you're not going to struggle and you're going to pass this on to your child. Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? We will actually be finding out over Labor Day weekend. I forgot to schedule the early test because I had some severe brain fog in the first trimester. So the early test did not happen. So we actually have a test coming up. I think it's this coming Monday. And we're going to have him put it in a folder, our doctor. And then we're going to give it to a friend. We're going to do like a little reveal thingy. Fun. All the options. We didn't have all that back in the day. They're like, do you want to know? And I'm like, yes. And they just told us right there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I actually made sure. Don't tell us. Don't tell us. We're going to do a party thing. <laughs> well, I'm, they're probably more used to that these days than not, probably, because I think most people do it that way. So, well, anyway, that's so exciting. <laughs> Well, and I never understood the people. Look, I know there are people listening. You're one of these people. I don't understand you. It's okay. But the people who are like, I just want to be surprised in the delivery room. I'm like, listen, everything about the delivery room is a surprise. So there's one, you don't need one more surprise. <laughs> anyway, no, I respect all decisions about that. But I really liked having my nursery. You know, I knew what, what to plan for. I enjoyed that. Anyway, I whatever you want to do is fine. But I did not need another surprise <laughs> anyway, but well, that's so exciting, you know, and, and no matter what, you'll start to wrap your mind around baby boy, baby girl. So much fun either way. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It really, really is so much fun. And, you know, thinking back to those, those baby years, you've got so, such a great road ahead of you. So I can't wait for you to find out. So I know now you're pregnant. And so obviously not being able to officially intermittent fast it is a struggle. But before you got pregnant, was there anything that you struggled with? I want to say sometimes the tweaks were harder because I have a difficult time with impulse control when it comes to like, I feel like eating this. And so if I wanted like five pieces of toast with a lot of butter on each of them, I was going to eat five pieces of toast with a lot of butter on each of them. So the tweak that I had where I cut out the butter, that was probably the hardest thing I had to do, <laughs> but I really wanted to get back into being in shape. So honestly, I think that was my only struggle was changing things and I really didn't want to change them. <laughs> I get it because we want to just do what we want to do and we want to eat what we want to eat and the butter is so good and the bread. <laughs> I totally get it. And food is delicious. So we want to delay. We don't want to deny. I totally understand that. But we also have to keep in mind that there are some foods that are not conducive to weight loss. And like, I love ice cream. But if I eat a whole lot of ice cream, ice cream is very weight gain promoting for multiple reasons. And <laughs> number one, you could eat it and eat it and eat it. it just goes right in the cracks in your stomach, right? I don't know. Is there, oh, I'm full for ice cream? I don't know. But taking a hard look at, say, okay, five pieces of toast with butter, maybe I need two, not five, right? Right. <laughs> that was literally what I would be like. Well, if I have five, I will not reduce my amount of butter. So let's just reduce the amount of toast. And it's all about, you know, we, we want to be full and satisfied and being, how can we be full and satisfied in a way, you know, that's, helping our body reach our weight loss goals. And so that's really, really important. That's why I think I do so well with the rice, the beans, the potatoes, the veggies, because they're so filling and satisfying. I'm never going to eat tiny diet meals ever again. I think chicken in my salad, like fried chicken or like rotisserie or whatever torn up in my salad was what I would use to substitute. If I wanted to eat the things that I was trying to delay for months in order to go get past the plateau. So I would do that to get fuller and stay full and not really have those cravings or let them disappear over the course of the day. So that, that was helpful. And I think that's really, really important. You know, the, the feeling of, of satiety is very linked to the stretch receptors in our stomach. And we need to eat enough bulk of food to activate those stretch receptors in our stomach and fill us up. 
And I mean, I've been, we just subscribe to YouTube premium. And so now YouTube is like, I think you would like this. I think you would like this. I think you would like this. So like, I'm like glued to my chair where YouTube keeps feeding me these. Anyway, it knows how I'm interested in health and wellness and food. It's just showing me all these things. And the whole idea of filling our stomach for satiety with foods that activate the stretch receptors, bagel bites aren't going to do that. Nope. <laughs> That white bread is not satisfying. <laughs> no. Think about how many bagel bites it would take for you to put in your stomach to activate those stretch receptors. Plus, they're so processed, they go through your stomach pretty quickly versus the high fiber vegetables. For me, the beans, you know, the chicken that you're having, it takes a while for your body to, to process those foods. And so your stretch receptors get activated and you're like, all right, I've had enough. Whereas also like toast with butter. Think about how much toast with butter it would take to put in there to activate those stress receptors. But a big salad with protein, like the chicken that you're having. Yes. Spinach and arugula and kale. My three favorite greens. <laughs> oh, I love arugula and I didn't used to like it, but it's so good. <laughs> Again, that's, you know, I think when we um, learn to drink the black coffee, it changes our palate for those bitter foods. It helps for sure. I think so. It makes a difference. So I know you're going through pregnancy. It's probably different, but how do you like to move your body? What type of exercise do you enjoy? So I really hate the gym. I don't like just going through weights and all that stuff. It's not fun. In high school, I really enjoyed cross country, but after being in the Navy for a little while on the ship with heavy boots and really steep ladder wells, my knees took a toll. I was actually going to get back into running this summer if I hadn't gotten pregnant and see if I could build myself up to running the PRT again instead of doing like the bike or something. I do like riding a bike, but I had loaned my bike to somebody else and slash put it in storage. So basically just like low impact cardios, body exercises, push up, plank, Anything that doesn't involve weights or gear is more fun. I like the stretchy bands and doing like squats with sometimes with weights to help, you know, with my core, tightening my stomach and everything like that. But anything that's mostly body weight and aerobics, I think they call it. I prefer those and like yoga and everything like that. Yeah, I'm like you. I don't like a bunch of equipment either. I was not doing any exercise though, losing the weight. I just want to put that out there. I was not in the gym. I was not exercising beyond the bare minimum in order to maintain my scores for the Navy. I was not exercising or changing anything at all. And I still lost the 20 pounds, which is where about where I ended up before pregnancy. So, you know, you, you have the mindset probably coming from your dad also that we exercise to stay fit. Yeah. Mom too. <laughs> They're both very Mom fit too. People. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can imagine you're because I know your dad was in the Navy as well. And your mom is a military wife. Did she work at all? Or was she just being a military wife is a lot of work. They were actually both officers when they met. Okay. I didn't realize she was in the Navy. Yeah. Just, it was only for a few years because the pregnancy with me had given her complications. So she left and became a dependent, but they both met while, while they were both in. Oh, so yeah, you had both sides. You had it from mom too. So she was had that fitness regimen as well. So yeah, having that modeled for you, I'm sure made such a difference. Yes, I knew what to do. I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> and what's wonderful is you're going to model this for this new little baby coming into the world. You and your husband both are going to model staying fit, staying healthy. You're going to teach this baby to eat when hungry, stop when satisfied. No clearing plates. Yep. Have you had enough is the only question you need to ask. Are you done? And if they say yes, then they are done. They will let you know if they need more food. I wish I understood all this, you know, back in the day. 
<laughs> but it's never too late. So I know you're here sharing your story with the world and I know that you are, you know, you've shared it with your family, but do you share it with other people in your life? Generally, if somebody at work is talking to me about some form or fashion of health, I will let them know if I have something to relate, how intermittent fasting has helped with that, whatever it is. Like the guys will talk about gaining muscle in the gym and I'll let them know my muscle gain has been just fine without being in the gym and all that sort of thing. I'm always looking for an opportunity to share about intermittent fasting because of just how easy it is and effortless, really. That's what I love about it, the fact that it is easy and you just don't want to stop. In fact, when you do have to stop for pregnancy, you still don't want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally get it. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? A couple things from my personal experience, having the patience to understand that things are going to take time and it's not going to be the by the book time. Like yours is 28 days for what you recommend as a bare minimum for people. I think Cynthia Thurlow's is 45, if I recall. Mine was about six weeks, although I don't remember how many days exactly. And I still didn't see a real steep drop in weight for another couple of weeks after that. So it could be a while, especially if your body's not healthy. Like mine was relatively healthy, but I also had no issues with diabetes or anything like that. And then from my friend Jess, she's had to go back and forth with being able to do intermittent fasting and not because of some of her issues. I'm trying to get her on the podcast. We will see. Oh, come on, Jess. Come on. <laughs> I'll let her know. Well, especially if she's had issues. That's what we need to hear from. We need to hear from people. Someone who's like, I started, I lost 100 pounds. It's been so easy. And now I'm done. And I just do it. That story is very inspiring. Don't get me wrong. I love those stories. But we need stories of struggling because that is also real life and also inspiring. Right. And because she's had to go back and forth with some of the meds she's had to take in the morning and then not being able to not eat at night, like she's been really struggling with going back and forth. And so just having patience with like whatever is going on in your body, I want people to understand that not everybody's going to have the same story, which is why this podcast is so awesome because everybody's different. I've never heard the same story twice. We are all so different. And I love the advice that you gave to, to be patient with your body and your body's going to have to do what it needs to do. And it might take a different amount of time for every person and not to panic. That's the number one message I hope to get out there. And, you know, I, I love my community so very much. The people that are in it are amazing and supportive, but sometimes people are, are like, you can tell they're like panicked and they're all like flustered and it's just like, okay, take a deep breath. You can figure this out. Our bodies are amazing machines and we can find what will help our body to be healthier. And we got the tools in our toolbox, the fasting, the feasting, the repeating, the tools are in there. It's just a matter of finding it. Well, Leah, congratulations on everything on your healthy pregnancy. And please email me and let me know when your baby is born. Oh, absolutely. You're going to be a little busy, but if you think about it, <laughs> That's true. I'm not very good with pictures, but I'll try and get better. <laughs> I would love for you to send me a picture, but thank you so much for telling your story today. No problem, Jen. Thanks for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. 
so don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! What a loser!